Talks podcast. When real money talks, film people listen. So, why are people all around the globe listening to the Real Money Talks podcast? Because smart money knows that before you can get your money right, you have to get your head right. That is, to be informed, not just about how to get the money, but how to put that money to work for you. There are many podcasts that feature the talent side of the movie business with celebrity interviews, etc. We are the only podcast dedicated solely to the money side of the film industry. Our mission is to help you, our listeners, gain insight directly from leaders in film finance, the movers, the shakers, the deal makers, the professionals that will provide the financial resources and talent that can bring your dreams to the screen. So let's get real. Give it up for the author, entrepreneur, inventor, your host, the money man himself, Professor Harold Lewis. Greetings. I'm Harold Lewis, your host. This is our very first podcast, and I'm delighted to be here with you. I'm looking forward to getting to know you, and it is my goal to bring you added value to understanding the world of film finance. Why film finance? Because film is an integral part of our life and culture. It informs us. It entertains us. It explains us. It depicts us. And sometimes it's the lens by which others judge us. Sometimes it does it in an amusing way. Sometimes it stereotypes us in an unflattering ways. Who determines which? We could argue that it's the filmmakers by way of their scripts. Some could argue that it's the executive that makes the ultimate decisions. But others, including myself, would argue that it is the money, either the access to or the denial of, that controls the narrative. So if you can control the money, you can control the narrative. That's what we mean when we say real money talks. And when we say real money, we're talking R-E-E-L, money talks. Now, it's true that everybody has a story, don't they? That includes you. Would you like your story told your way? Many would. Some like to tell their stories to others. Either way, if you want others to share that story on film, it takes real money to make that happen. And we want to show you how it's done. If you never thought finance could be exciting, I don't blame you, but I think you are in for a wonderful surprise. We hope that you find the subject of this podcast as fascinating as we do. Now, by way of background and introduction, I'm a lifetime banker and entertainment finance professional. I also teach a course called the Program in Film Finance at UCLA and our own platform called realmoneycourses.com. Our team has been involved with over 200 film projects and so many TV shows, 
it's hard to mention. One that you might recall is my big frat Greek wedding. My business partner, Brenda Dolby Flewellen, financially supported that movie. Now, as a banker, I've managed at one point over 40 bank branches in LA, Ventura, and Santa Barbara counties. While in banking, I specialized in entertainment and was fortunate to meet many entertainment executives. When our bank merged with another bank, I decided to pursue a different career path. Eventually, one of the executives I knew in the music business asked me to become the chief financial officer of a startup record label called Fully Loaded Records. We raised funding, capital from BET, or some of you have heard it as Black Entertainment Television. When BET was sold to Paramount, I was hired by Union Bank to become the manager of entertainment banking. That's where my career in film finance began. Later, I was co-founder of a film finance consulting firm called Film Bankers International. From there, I went on to develop an online film finance platform called Pitch to Me. Through this journey, I began to see the struggles and built empathy for the filmmakers as they went through trial after trial to share their visions with others on the screen. Over the years, I have been presented, if not bombarded, with literally thousands of scripts. Some good, some bad, some absolutely amazing. But they all lacked one thing. What do you think that was? You guessed it. The money to make it happen. I bet that the best movie you've never seen is still on somebody's computer or on their desk. And why is that? It's due to a lack of funding. But why the Real Money Podcast? Perhaps you've heard a lot about films from box office numbers each weekend. You see it on television all the time. They talk about how much a movie did. You hear talent interviews on various entertainment shows. You hear that, you hear gossip, you hear all these different things. Why is that? We as a society are obsessed with what we see on the big and the small screen. But have you noticed that rarely, if ever, do you hear about the enormous struggle to get the money to make a film? This struggle can last a long time. In fact, I once asked, I don't know if uh, our listeners, all of you, have ever heard of the Pan-African Film Festival, but it's a very significant film festival in L.A. And one day, I was talking to them about uh, working together, and I asked the head of the Pan-African Film Festival, I said, just out casually, I said, how long do you think that it takes from script to screen? He thought about it for a minute. And he said, seven years. Can you imagine that? So you write a script right now, and about seven years from now, if you're fortunate, you can get it on the screen. Now, when he told me that, he was right on. But actually, when you think about it, our research shows that it's from seven to ten years, and sometimes it even takes longer than that. Now, you have to wonder, why does it take so long? Well, there are many factors, such as lining up the talent, finding the right director, getting the right editor. But you know, 
The biggest issue is finding the right financial backing. Given that financing plays such a big role, you would think that it would be a part of the core curriculum in film schools, right? You would think if you went to the film school and you're paying all that money, they should help you be able to make your dreams a reality. But did you know that there are over 118 four-year film universities in the United States? And there's hundreds of others in community colleges all around the nation. Now, here's a factoid about that that is really astonishing. With all those film schools all over this country, and not to mention the ones all around the world, there's only a couple of them that actually teach anything about finance. Now think about this. The average person comes out of film school with a debt at minimum of $50,000. And they know nothing about how to get their film financed. That's crazy, isn't it? All those courses that they teach are incomplete and not very deep at best, even the ones that do teach it. So the sad part is that after graduating, many of the film students find themselves struggling with a staggering amount of debt and underemployed and usually not employed at all in the film business. That is why. Actually, that is the reason why we're here. Now, there are a number of reasons why uh, people are underemployed or not employed in the career path that they choose. For one thing, there are more graduates than there are jobs in the entertainment business. And that is a fact that people graduating have to deal with. That is why if you're fortunate enough to get a job in this field, it usually doesn't pay much. Not at first. However, there is some upside. Now, another reason. If you work for one of the big five or big studios, there's not much incentive once you get employed that your employer is going to train you or teach you in the various different phases of the business, particularly film finance. That is what we call the definition of a silo, meaning that most people only learn one thing or specialty about the business side of filmmaking. Of course, that's different, though, when you think about it from the perspective of an independent film side. Now, the independent side of the business indie world, you have to know almost everything in order to get your project because there's no support system. Typically, the filmmaker is doing multiple jobs at one time. But however, most filmmakers don't go to film school to learn finance. In fact, uh, most of the time they run away from anything that has to do with numbers. But it's usually finance that presents prevents them from getting their project completed. So there is a conundrum. Many of the filmmakers I know, as I said, run away from anything resembling math or finance. And I understand this, but therein lies the problem. Doesn't it make sense that the thing you need the most and yet have the least is the thing you need to work on? So that is why we created the Real Money Courses, as well as this podcast, Real Money Talks. 
I just want to make sure that everyone is clear that this podcast is not about math, so it should not scare you. Film finance is not about math. Now, let me just be real with you. Yeah, there are times that you need to understand how to read a spreadsheet, and there is some assumptions that you have to make, but it's not all about math. It's about how to access the information you need to make this business and create uh, options for yourself. So if you want to make it in this business, you want to make options for yourself, you really need to understand how the money flows. Now, here's a question. Who should be listening to the Real Money Podcast? There's thousands of podcasts. But who should be listening in? Now, obviously, I would love for everyone to listen, listen in. But there are some people that are uh, that this is specifically uh, geared to. How about film students? If you're an aspiring film student or filmmaker, finance professional, or want to develop a career path in any of the various skills in this industry, this podcast is for you. Why? Because as we said earlier, most film schools do not teach film finance as a part of their curriculum. I know that sounds insane, but it's true. And why don't they? It's not just that they don't want to. It's because they don't have access to film finance professionals with the requisite experience to teach the course. That's just the facts. And the truth is that there are not many around the world that even have a firsthand knowledge of the entire end-to-end process. Added to that, there are at least 20 different types of financing that may be needed for just even one project. So you can see that uh, it is pretty challenging. Now, if you're a filmmaker or you want to be a writer, a director, or a producer, this podcast is for you. A friend of mine, a big-time movie film uh, music composer, was listening to me giving a webinar, doing a voiceover for a webinar. And to my surprise, he was in the engineering booth, and he runs out and he says to me, he says, Harold, I've been in this business for over 40 years, and I have never heard anything like this about the business side of the film industry. He knew nothing about finance. Now, he's a composer, and yet he didn't have that kind of background or information, and he thought that everyone he knew should take my course. And I obviously agreed with him that they should. Now, at some point, he's going to be a guest on our show uh, very soon, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to call in and ask him questions about what he learned. So why should filmmakers want to take this, uh, listen to this podcast, and perhaps even take our course? As we said, filmmakers didn't go to school to learn finance or business, so they rely on their advisors to handle the business aspects of their deal. Now, while that's not a bad plan, it could be dangerous. Why? Well, it's a fundamental truth that no one will have your best interest at heart more than you will. Just think, 
if you took a before and after snapshot of the bank account of your attorney or your advisor, would it be any, could you find any indication whether or not in their bank account, whether you got a good deal or a bad deal? No, you wouldn't be able to see that because they're going to get paid no matter what. But you were stuck with the deal that your advisors had recommended. So really, you should know uh, more about it. So I hate to break it to you, but the answer is a big fat no in most cases. So you need to be on top of that. Why? Well, we're not talking about that you need to become a film finance expert in order to do your deal. No, not at all. But you need to know the right questions to ask. We believe that a competent professional attorney and finance advisor is absolutely essential. However, that does not guarantee a positive outcome for you. We'll discuss why that is and examine some case studies that show this on other episodes. But suffice it is to say that it is your responsibility to supervise your people. No matter how educated and experienced you deem them to be. Remember, they don't call this business swimming with the sharks for nothing. Now, what if you're an attorney, business manager, or an agent? Or maybe you aspire to do one of those jobs. And you could even aspire to be a sports agent. And you have a successful let's say basketball player or football player, and they want to diversify their investments, they're going to ask, hey, should I invest in this movie or not? And if you're one of those advisors, you're going to want to have some background so that you will be able to advise them uh, appropriately. So if you're an entertainment attorney or wannabe or a business manager, talent agent, casting agent, this podcast is for you. While it is true that you can't replace experience, and if you've been in the entertainment business for a long while, you have gained valuable knowledge and hopefully some wisdom along the way. However, knowledge is not static. It's dynamic. Attorneys and other professionals know that it is required by law to keep their education up to date every year. With the changing trends and new technology, staying up to date is challenging to say the least. What may have worked before may not be the solution today. Also, given that each contract, each deal is unique, don't you owe it to your clients to be as informed as possible? Is it not good business practice to find out when the money is being counted that there was a better way to structure a deal? It's not, is it? You need to know that before you get a deal done. It's too late for your client, but it's not too late for a malpractice lawsuit. True? True. When Real Money talks with attorneys and business managers, we will be asking about current trends in real time and what's on the horizon. So stay tuned and stay informed. And oh, um, by the way, our course in film finance is approved for attorneys, CPAs, 
CFPs, that's Certified Financial Planners, for Professional Continuing Education Credit. And they can reach that at realmoneycourses.com. Now, I know that was a gratuitous plug, but I'm just saying. So I think you should know. Now, what about distribution and content acquisition? If you work in distribution, content acquisition, or a marketing professional, this podcast is for you. Why? Because our audience may be your next clients and they want to hear from you. Distributors and marketers have their pulse on where the consumer's taste lies, what type of content is in demand, and where it's going. You want the creatives to provide you with content and product that you can sell, right? And when I'm talking about creatives, obviously I'm talking about directors, producers, and writers. Also, as technology changes, you will want to be on the forefront of the opportunities to exploit content via new distribution channels that have not only not been created, but haven't even been thought of yet. This reminds me of when I was in the music business and in charge of business affairs. Our attorneys would always put this interesting clause in contracts with musicians. It would say, it would gives us the right to pub- publish uh, known and unknown uses of a work. So unknown and uh, known and unknown uses of a work, that meant new technologies, even if they haven't been invented, gave us the right to be able to use that content on those different platforms. Even though this seems clear enough, courts have struggled with the issues of the limits of these universal clauses. So staying current with these issues can help you and us ask the right questions and to some extent even challenge the norms. That is why it is crucial that we discuss these issues. Now, what about musicians? If you're a musician, a music supervisor, or a plugger, this, con- this podcast is for you. I've always been in awe of how movies and music share a symbiotic relationship. Really, you can't have one without the other. Even back in the days of the silent movie era, you may have not heard the voice of the actors, but the music was a voice that told the story. Have you ever been watching a movie or a commercial and try to Shazam the song to find out who it is? I do it all the time. In fact, a lot of the music buying that I purchase comes uh, from that. I'm just being real. Have you ever heard, though, of a sync license? S-I-N-C license? Knowing and understanding how it works can add hundreds, if not thousands, or maybe even millions of dollars in your pocket. In fact, we used to call a sync license mailman money. Once you got a sync license deal, the money just showed up in the mailbox over and over again. It's basically the license to use your music in a TV commercial, movies, TV shows, 
games, etc. But how is that music chosen? How does, who does the choosing? How does the process work? And most importantly, how can you be down or get your work chosen? We will be speaking to music supervisors and PR, public relation firms, that are often called music pluggers to get some insights on how you can get your music in a commercial, which would be wonderful, or moving. Now, actors, if you are an actor or someone that wants to be in front or behind the camera, this podcast is for you. Why? As an actor, do you find it a struggle to get into the business, let alone land that part that you want so bad? Have you ever considered creating your own part or opportunity? I'm sure you have, but how can you do it? Will it ever be seen if you do? Where will you get the resources you need to make it happen? At some point, many actors seek to express their creative talents behind the camera. How do they make that transition? These are the questions we will answer in this podcast. We will also talk with industry professionals such as casting directors to get an inside perspective on how the selection process really works. In fact, this is an essential part of the process. The right casting director can either make or break a particular uh, film project. And so you want to make sure that you know how that process works because each talent, meaning each actor, each director, each producer, every one of them has a dollar value attached to their work. And that can really make or break a deal. Now, what about if you're just a movie, movie goer or a hobbyist? First, let me say, without you, none of this business would work. You have the business of film going for 120 years based on the pocketbooks of moviegoers and hobbyists. Ultimately, you, yes, you as the consumer, pays for the success or failures of the movies. In fact, every movie ever made would either be successful or not successful depending on whether or not the consumer preferred it, liked it, Wanted, them, wanted to see it or uh, know somebody or refer the a movie to someone. And we've all done that before. Since you have such a vested interest in the business of film, it would be important for you to learn how this business actually operates. Now, have you ever watched a movie and wondered how in the world did that movie get made? It was horrible. Or you wondered, hey, how did that movie get made? That sounds really interesting. If so, if you've ever asked yourself that question, this podcast is for you. It's the consumer that creates the demand and your preferences are what ends up on the screen. Yes, it takes creatives, the writers, the producers, the directors to pull all the elements together. But really, at the end of the day, 
the consumers are the ultimate film boss. So as you can see, this podcast has something for everyone interested in the film business. From those in front of the camera to those in the front of the lines. From those in the executive suites to those making the beats. From those writing the scripts to those writing the checks. From those starting out to those who have all of the clout. What are some of the future projects or some of the subjects rather that we are going to be discussing in this podcast? We will be talking to our guests about the business and the size and scope, the biggest challenges to funding, where to find the money, how to get distribution, how to get a hookup, why is knowledge a key factor, how can you prevent losing money in the film business with analytics, why funding is so important when it comes to choosing the right platform. How to pitch your deal for success. How risky is the film business? Where can you get the right education? How about the smart use of debt? How about the different types of funding strategies? So please tune in to our next episode where we will take a look at the real business from the perspective of its size and scope and economic impact. That's all for today. But thank you so much for listening to the Real Money Talks podcast. Before I leave, I want to thank the entire Real Money team, including Al Jones, producer and general manager, Anthony Porter, creative design and consultant, Selena Lewis, our muse and bouncer offer, if you will, (laughs) Elizabeth Lovini, our international consultant, Michael Perota, international marketing consultant, and Beverly Snipes, associate producer and consultant, without whom this podcast would not be possible. Love you all. The Real Money Talks podcast is brought to you by realmoneycourses.com. Thank you.